It's a cold, wet day in St. Petersburg. We're in a park near the Black River. Two men in puffy jackets are milling around with their smartphones, taking photos of a red stone obelisk. They're not here to soak up the ambiance of a dreary Russian winter's day. They're here to pay their respects. Because this obelisk marks the spot where something happened almost 200 years ago. Now it's 1837, still winter, but dusk. The obelisk is gone and so is the park. This is just a deserted stretch of land on the outskirts of St. Petersburg. The snow is knee deep. Four men are gathered in the fading light. A duel is about to take place. On one side is a French military officer, handsome, blonde, with a stylish mustache. On the other is a short man with long dark hair and overgrown sideburns, Alexander Pushkin. The pistols are loaded and the count is sounded. I'm Amanda McGowan and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we'll tell you what brought Russia's Shakespeare, the great writer Alexander Pushkin, to this duel by the Black River. It's high drama, society scandal, a weird foot joke, and pistols at dusk. That's up for this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. We're at a lavish ball in the Palace of the Tsar. The orchestra is playing, the champagne is flowing, and the Tsar himself has just waltzed up to the most beautiful woman in Russia and asked her to dance. Over by the bar, watching this whole scene unfold, is a short man with long, dark hair, self-consciously pulling down on the hem of his jacket. This is Alexander Pushkin, Russia's greatest writer, and he's having a miserable time. The beautiful lady that the Tsar is talking to 
That is Pushkin's wife, Natalia. After she agrees to dance, the Tsar turns and gives Pushkin a little smile. Pushkin nods back, quickly empties a coupe of champagne, and swallows a burp. That's it. He's made enough of an appearance. Pushkin calls for his carriage. He's off to the part of the evening that he'll actually enjoy. A little bit of drinking, a little bit of gambling, and a little bit more gambling. But as the twinkling lights of the city fly by, his heart softens a bit. He passes his apartment, imagines his children snoring quietly, fast asleep at this hour. He passes Wolf's, his favorite sweet shop. And as the crisp winter wind ruffles his collar, the poet's mind overrides the cynics. These are the glimpses of the city that make their way into Pushkin's poetry. Along dark streets wrapped deep in slumber, gay carriages, a goodly number, shed rainbow lights across the snow from their twin lanterns as they go. The year is 1834. Pushkin has only recently returned to St. Petersburg after a decade in exile. When he was a young man, Pushkin was writing poems that were critical of the monarchy. And he was caught circulating this cartoon of an assassin with the caption underneath, a lesson for the czar. The state puts him on a horse and banishes him to the far reaches of the empire. So for years, Pushkin travels the wild mountains of the Caucasus. He wears eccentric, colorful costumes, gets inspiration for his writing. But also, Pushkin is a little bit yikes. He's got a sharp temper. He challenges people to duels left and right. He's sent to work for a provincial governor and ends up having an affair with the guy's wife. So he's this wild, carousing character. But at the same time, Pushkin can channel this self-destructive nature into beautiful poetry. And modern man's true soul divulging, a creature arid, cold, and vain, careless of others' joy and pain, in endless reverie indulging, one whose embittered mind finds zest in nothing but can never rest. Pushkin begins writing his masterpiece. Well, one of them, if you're a superfan. It's about a cynical city fop named Eugene Onegin, who has seemed to lost the ability to really feel anything or care about anything. Onegin moves to the country where he meets a passionate young poet, and he ends up ruining the poet's life. Some people say, here in this poem are the two sides of Pushkin. You have the sensitive, earnest poet versus the cynical, self-destructive force. In exile, Pushkin is writing and publishing, and his reputation is growing. But then, in 1825, the old czar dies. His younger brother is set to become the new czar. But Pushkin hears from afar that a group of aristocrats, many of them his old friends, are staging a revolt in St. Petersburg. Down with autocracy. They are immediately arrested. Many are hanged, and Pushkin is devastated. And then there is this knock on his door. The czar requests his presence 
immediately. When he arrives at the palace after the four-day coach ride, he's not even allowed to go change his clothes. He's whisked immediately to meet with the czar, dusty, dirty, disheveled. It turns out that a poem of Pushkin's has been found in the belongings of the revolutionaries. By this time, Pushkin's writing has made him famous, so putting him to death seems like a risky move. Instead, the czar has decided he would rather keep his enemies close. He allows Pushkin to return from exile, but he is forbidden from leaving Russia, and all of his work from here on out will be personally censored by the czar. Later, after Pushkin marries Natalia, the czar gives him a job at the court, which means he's expected to be there. And this is how St. Petersburg becomes Pushkin's gilded cage. By day, he's kept busy at his low-level court job. And then in the evenings, he gets all dressed up in the uniform that he hates and takes Natalia to the ball. His days run on a loop again and again. But then one night, that loop is broken by the appearance of a French military officer, handsome, blonde, with a stylish mustache. This is Georges Dantes, 23 years old, tall, handsome, French even, the talk of the town. And one thing that the town particularly likes to talk about is how much attention this Dantes is giving a certain married woman at the court, Natalia Pushkina, Pushkin's wife. Dantes' endless flirting is annoying. He even tricks Natalia into attending a private meeting with him. Back then, a one-on-one meeting is definitely fodder for the rumor mill. So this situation is starting to escalate. On November 4th, 1837, Pushkin receives an anonymous letter. In French, it reads, You have been elected to the most serene order of the cuckolds. Back in the day, cuckold was an insulting term for a man whose wife was cheating on it. Pushkin sees red, and he immediately suspects Baron von Heckerin. He's this Dutch diplomat who is the adopted father of Georges Daltes. So Pushkin challenges von Heckerin to a duel. But the man pleads innocence, and friends talk Pushkin down, saying, don't do this. But then Dantes himself steps in, and he says... If this is about me and Natalia, you've got it all wrong. I'm actually interested in her sister. And we have great news. We're getting married. That could have been the end of it. But after the wedding, Dantes goes right back to his old tricks. Now, Pushkin is already miserable. His debts are ballooning. He's too miserable to write. And around court, he's beginning to look physically ill. And then, one night, at another one of those endless balls, the orchestra is playing, and Pushkin, already feeling ornery, grips his champagne glass and looks on as Dantes makes this joke. It's this awkward pun about feet, specifically about Natalia's bare feet. Pushkin's temper flares. After the ball, he pawned some silver to buy a pair of dueling pistols. It is on with Dantes. 
This is how we end up on a desolate patch of earth near the Black River. Pushkin and Dantes, dueling pistols loaded. And this is not the kind of duel where the two are going to, you know, walk 10 paces away from each other and then shoot from a distance. Instead, they begin at a distance. And once the count is sounded, they are going to rush toward each other. It's going to be really ugly. As we watch Pushkin and Dantes face off, I want to remind us of Eugene Onegin, the main character of Pushkin's most famous work. In that poem, Onegin befriends the sensitive poet, but the friendship goes sour when Onegin flirts with the poet's love. The poet challenges Onegin to a duel, and Onegin knows that he should just apologize and call the whole thing off, but in the end, he accepts, and he kills the poet. And Eugene Onegin, which Pushkin wrote years before his own duel with Dantes, almost seems to tell the future. Approach, how calm and cold their faces, as the two foes with even tread. Not aiming yet, advance four paces, four steps toward a narrow bed. The first shot cracks, fired by Dantes. His bullet hits Pushkin in the stomach. The poet collapses, but he's not dead. He shovels snow into his mouth to stay conscious. And then he yells, I want my shot! Dantes, according to the rules, stops where he is. He puts up his pistol to shield his face, and he lets Pushkin aim. The poet fires. Dantes falls back, but the bullet ricochets off of a button on his coat. The fatal hour is past recall. The poet lets his pistol fall. Pushkin is rushed to his apartment. After two miserable days, hallucinations come on. On February 10th at 2 p.m., Natalia comes in and tries to spoon some jam into his mouth. 45 minutes later, Pushkin dies. As the news spreads, a crowd gathers under his window. This makes the authorities nervous. Pushkin is dangerous, even dead. The poet's body is whisked out to the countryside, and only the most basic burial rites are allowed. It will be 30 years before any public monuments are built to honor Alexander Pushkin. Today in St. Petersburg, Pushkin's legacy is everywhere. Maybe someday I'll be able to visit his apartment, which is now a museum, or to stop by Wolf's, that sweet shop that he loved, which is now called the Literature Cafe. They claim to have served Pushkin his last meal, and there's actually a life-size figure of him there sitting at the table and looking out the window. And of course, there's the little park near the Black River where his fateful duel took place and where you can see that obelisk. Monuments are one thing, but to me, Pushkin's work is where he feels the most alive. It's there that he wrestles with tyrants and shows the common man crushed under the yoke of autocracy, It's there where all of his contradictory selves live, from the detached, wisecracking sophisticate to the frantic self-saboteur to the keen, observant writer who captured the ups and downs of life 
with breathless precision and beauty. Let not the poet's heart no capture by sullen time and soon grow wry, and hard and cold and petrify, here in the world's benumbing rapture, this pool we bathe in, friends, this muck, in which, God help us, we are stuck. One final note. There is another place where there are lots of monuments to Pushkin. That is in Ukraine. In the last few months, many of these have been torn down, mainly because Pushkin today has been seen as synonymous with Russianness and Russian identity. He was certainly critical of autocracy and of the czars. Others make the case that he was a booster for Russia and the Russian Empire. So it's an interesting and complicated time to read Russian literature and Pushkin. We will link some articles in the show notes if you want to read further about this. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes... Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you would like to learn more, go to atlasobscura.com. There is a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Amanda McGowan, wishing you all of the wonder in the world. And I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.